0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Wayne back for the Gentleman Ultra. Today, we'll be going over Milan's Syria alternative club guide, originally written by Richard Hall and Luca Hodges-Raman. I'm excited to uh, narrate this one uh, because Milan is probably the most historic club in Italian history. I know Juventus fans will be up in arms about that, but there's just something that has like that... uh, Ah, there's something special about Milan, especially in the past 20 years, when you think of like Kaká and Pirlo and the Ancelotti days, which were just so special for me, even not as a Milan fan, but those are like the true glory days of the new history of the contemporary times, right? So let's pop this one off. Stadium San Siro Giuseppe Meazza, capacity 80,000, roughly uh, 80,100. Not many cities can boast two giants of the European game, Milan can. Milan and Internazionale are two titanic teams not only in Serie A but in the history of football. These giants also share one of football's most iconic footballing structures, the Giuseppe Miazza, which stages the passionate Derby della Madonnina. When Milan takes on Internazionale, the stadium comes alive with a mix of flags, flares, fireworks, and huge banners. The ground is not full for every match and it needs some updating, but in its current state it embodies the raw passion of the early 1990s Italian football experience. The Colossal Stadium has been instantly recognizable since its refurbishment for the World Cup in 1990. An extra tier, which is supported by no fewer than 11 spiral towers, and a roof with huge red iron girders were added. The Sansura has become a mecca for football fans and it remains one of the must-see grounds in Europe. Quite simply, its atmosphere and vantage points are second to none. Let's discuss the ultras, the key ultra groups groups: Fossa dei Leoni or Lion's Den, Commandos Tigre, Brigate Rossonere, Alternativa Rossonera, Guerrieri Ultras Curva Sud Milano, Avanguardia Rossonera and Curva Sud Milano. There are a lot of other groups I'm about to ramble off, such as Hooligans, Diavolacci, Indians, Grupo Verlano, Estremi Remedi, uh, Vecchia Maniera, Otras 1976, Panthers, Boys, uh, Asatani, Il Grupo Nervus, Il Grupo del Bulldog, and you can keep going on. There's so many for Milan, so many different factions. It's a a very large city. It's the uh, economic capital of Italy most would agree on, at least the fashion capital, and then you could say maybe Turin or Milan as the industrial capital. While it was never pleasant to see footballers on the end of scathing criticism, when Milan Ultra's castigated left-back Kevin Constant through the unfurling of a banner during their 1-1 draw with Genoa back in 2013, their exasperation was understandable. Constant, instead of clowning around and being arrogant, respect those who watch your embarrassing performances, read the rebuke. Not only were his performances questionable, but his off-field frivolities, including tweeting pictures from a nightclub on the Friday before Milan's clash with Genoa, suggested he was less than committed to honoring the iconic red and black shirt. But while there was some justification behind the protest, the criticism reserved for Paolo Maldini during his 900th and last appearance for Milan against Roma in 2009 was baffling. It goes without saying that Maldini is a club legend. A product of the Milan Primavera, their youth team, Maldini, who won five European Cups and seven Scudetti over the course of his 25-year career. Yet after his final match at the San Siro, his lap of honor was soured by a pocket of ultras who expressed their dissent. "'Thanks, Captain. On the pitch you were an undying champion, but you had no respect for those who made you rich,' read one of the banners. "'For your 25 years of glorious service,' You have the thanks of those who you called mercenaries and misers, opined another. The ill feelings are said to have stemmed from an angry exchange between Maldini and a group of ultras who had awaited the team's return at the Milan airport following their loss to the Liverpool in the 2005 Champions League final. Their banners were accompanied by a giant shirt emblazoned with the number 6 which was unveiled to the backdrop of the chant, there's only one captain, Baresi. Giancarlo Capelli, an Ultras leader, later remarked, It was not a protest. We just wanted to make it clear that we thought about some of his comments and behavior over the past years. Throughout his career, Maldini had not shied from condemning the Ultras when they had failed to support some of his teammates, and his defensive Silvio Berlusconi's transfer policy also irritated fans. For observers on the outside, it is hard to accept that a club legend would be subjected to such treatment, albeit from a minority of supporters. However, the intensity of this infinite incident reveals the visceral relationship between ultras and their club. At times, it feels like the macho response of a domineering spouse or a spurned lover who feels they haven't been awarded for their due respect. While these actions are highly questionable and a flagrant offense to many a football purist, this aberrant behavior is part of the ultras' fabric. That Milan's ultras hold their players to such lofty standards is perhaps born out of the club's success and prestige. Founded in 1899 as Milan Cricket and Football Club by English expatriates Alfred Edwards and Herbert Kilpin, the Milanisti take great pride in the knowledge that their team is the oldest in the city and one of the most decorated in Europe. Facts that they are keen to flaunt when they play their city rivals, Inter. To honor their roots, Milan have retained the English spelling of the city's name, and the history is also celebrated by the supporters, most notably when the ultras choreographed gigantic banner of Kilpin in his archaic red and black shirt during their match against Barcelona in 2013. The display was accompanied by the date 1899, and the message, La storia siamo noi, we are the history. The supporters may also have Kiplin to thank for the club's iconic red and black colors, and as a consequence their nickname, El Diavolo, the Devil. I said kilp, uh, Kiplin is Kilpin, K-I-L-P-I-N. The Englishman is said to have arrived at this choice of colors after saying, We are a team of devils. Our colors are red as fire and black to invoke fear in our opponents. Indeed, the San Siro can be one of the most daunting arenas in European football, and the ultras of the Sud thrive off their menacing moniker. Unsurprisingly, Milan's status means they have a plethora of ultra-groups, None more renowned than the historic Fossa dei Leoni. The groups were formed in 1968 and are said to be the first modern ultras organization in Italy. As such, they played something of a pioneering role in the nascent years of the ultra movement. Although Fossa originally resided on Ramp 18 of the Settori Popolari of the San Siro, in 1972 the group shifted to the Curvesud and became the heartbeat of the Diavolo support. Accompanied by the Brigate Rossonero, Founded in 1975, and Commandos Tigre, who joined Brigate and Fossa on the Curva Sud in 1985, they formed a triumvirate that made the Rossoneri's support one of the most eclectic on the peninsula. To emphasize Fossa's cult nature, the group had their own song, Leoni Armati, Armed Lions, inspired by the Italian film L'Armata Branca Leone. In 1982, they featured in the Italian film Etuzionale, Veramente, in which actor Diego Abbatantuono played the role of the group's leader, Donato Ras della Fossa. The Italian ultra-movement was inextricably linked with the political activism of the era, but curiously, Fossa never adopted a clear political identity. It is said that some of their members veered towards the left, with images of Che Guevara visible in the San Siro during the group's early years, but many of the groups on the ultra, on the curva Sud have avoided political affiliation. While rifts arose from a difference in ideology between commandos, brigate, and Fossa, the group led the Cordova for 20 years in relative harmony until Fossa disbanded in 2005. The reason behind Fossa's dissolution once again beggars belief. The story goes, and there are numer- numerous accounts, that during a game between Milan and Juventus in 2005, the group managed to steal a banner from the Juve Ultra group known as Viking. Fossa proceeded to unfurl this banner in the Curva Sud as a trophy of their conquest, but it later emerged rather than stealing the banner, the Milanisti had obtained it senza honore, without honor. The fans hadn't physically fought to steal the banner, and this went against the unwritten rules of the Ultras. The Juventini wanted revenge, and a few days later, a Fossa banner was stolen by Viking and posted on the group's fanzine. The following Sunday the banners were back in the possession of their owners. Rumors spread that the swap had been organized in an agreement with the police, a heinous crime in the world of the ultras and shocking news to the other groups in the Curva Sud. Fossa ceased to exist, but the conflict in Curva Sud went on, Interseen warfare infused or ensued, and Milan fans were shot in the legs. Monza magistrates concluded that the attack was part of an internal war among Rossoneri Ultras over merchandising and tickets. Commandos and Brigate lived on, while new groups such as Guerrieri Ultras, formed of ex-FOSA members, were born. Their motto, neither red nor black, just black and red, encapsulated their ap- apolitical stance. Their peace was eventually restored, and now the majority of the Curvasud had united under the umbrella of Curvasud Milano. Their headquarters lie in the industrial era of San Giovanni, but their members are spread across the length of the peninsula the infighting the protests their unabashed hubris and the revolving door in which groups forms groups form and disband appears rather ludicrous it is bemusing but undeniably beguiling in the midst of all the chaos there are codes and rules that must be followed stringently it is madness but there is a meticulous method to the ultras madness imagine italian football without them Imagine the San Siro on a Champions League night without the Corvusud, the match devoid of incessant chanting, flares, smoke, and spectacular choreographies. In 2010, when Manchester United faced Milan in the Champions League knockout phase, Sir Alex Fort Ferguson was left in awe, not by the superstars on the field, but by the supporters in the terraces. The one thing that's so amazing is is that for the first 15 minutes, I felt shock, really in shock because the atmosphere was unbelievable, Ferguson explained. Coupled with the noise when they scored, it unnerved me, and it unnerved my players. No matter how much experience you have got, you get drawn in that cauldron of noise. Therein lies the seductive power of these ultras. And now we'll take a look at a classic player, Zvonimir Boban. I just want to say, some of these Italian names in this this piece were pretty difficult, man. (laughs) <laughs> Zvano Mir Boloban was one of the most talented players to play for Milan in the 1990s. An impressive feat considering the status of that team, when talking about Milan's great team, Marco van Basten, Ruud Gullit, Frank Reichard, Paolo Maldini, and Franco Baresi are just some of the candidates who are not only classic players, but also bona fide legends of the game. Bolban, however, was the heartbeat of this team and is often overlooked. Every accolade has been bestowed on the likes of Maldini and van Basten, and rightly so, but this talented Croatian is often missed out. Boban combined skill, intelligence, and an outstanding passing range with a devastating shot. It is sometimes easy to forget just how good he was. Signed by Fabio Capello for £8 million in 1991 from Dinamo Zagreb, he was loaned straight out to body. After suffering relegation with the southern team, he came back to Milan to embark on a golden journey in which he would win four Serie A titles, three Italian Super Cups, a Champions League, and a European Super Cup. His partnership with Dimitrio Albertini gave the team a touch of class and complete tactical awareness. Boban was a technical genius with a devastating ability to produce breathtaking goals. These were taken from distance with his head or from a graceful and fluid running pattern with the ball that was fueled by his raw aggression and determination. Boban could perform any role in midfield, and that ability to adapt made him indispensable. He would not just fit in and do a job. He would play the role as well as the man he was replacing, if not better. The players around him could concentrate solely on their role, and in turn produce the maximum impact. Boban's one downfall was perhaps his lack of goals, 30 in 251 appearances. When he scored, they were usually spectacular. Spectacular but his ability to create for others was key. His temperament, feisty to say the least, but many great players need this aggression in their game to make them who they are. He was always willing to fight for the cause, and that aggression helped Milan sweep everything before them in the decade he spent at the club. When Calcio ruled the world, Milan were the greatest team by some distance, and Boban was one of the heartbeats of that team. The pieces concluded there. And I learned a lot through reading about this, especially about Boban at the end, but just also about the plethora of different ultras groups of Milan. I figured maybe five or six if you asked me off the top of my head. I didn't realize it was that involved. And I guess that's typical when you're the most historical team in Italy and you're in an industrial center. And what always makes me think so much about these teams which are from industrial cities is uh, I read a really good excerpt from a book called Football Economics or something like that. It's very good. And uh, it's catered to an American audience. Obviously, I'm American. And it mentions something that when industrial cities were attracting people, it had people from all different, um, you know, around the country or even internationally, right? And the one thing that united all these different immigrant or um, uh, foreign groups or just people from out of that city, the one thing that united them was football. Which is why Inter and Milan and Juventus grew so quickly. And you look at Manchester and United was, I mean, it's insane to think of their market power, their market share. And where does that stem from? It stems from the Industrial Revolution, which is insane to think about the history of it. And it's totally true here in Milan as well. And um, I've been to the San Siro, had a really crazy experience. So I don't want to get fully into it. But outside the stadium, waited a few hours, saw a few ultras from Roma get arrested and I ended up sitting right next to the terrace of um, Milan's curva It was very, it was very cool. I gotta say, like the appearance that the Otras put on, very choreographed uh, with the terraces, like one, two, even like three levels. It felt like just of the the banners unfurling and and dangling for some forty, fifty feet. And I remember looking and I was like, can't somebody fall down from that? Like, be careful, bro. But it was it was just a crazy experience. If you can get to the know when there are fans absolutely do it i don't know how long it's going to last if it's going to be the next three four five years whatever it's going to be it's a must see in my opinion i think most football footballers who have ever been out there would uh would definitely agree with that so i hope you enjoyed this there will be more coming for sure and that is milan's alternative club guide